excited? All right. Tell the person next to you, you are gifted. Tell them you are gifted. You are gifted. As you know, if you were here last week, um, we're going to be a little bit interactive. Um, and you might do that quite often, so I might lose you a couple times and have to gather you again and make sure you pay attention. But uh, we talked about, last week we talked about a lot, there's still a lot of information. I was telling someone that at times I feel like I'm drowning in all the stuff that God is giving me because it is profound and it is a lot of information. But I think it's good at the same time if, you know, if Peter walked on water and so did Jesus, then we're going to try to walk on water with all of this by faith. Amen? Amen. So, um, let's start in Isaiah once again. Isaiah 62. And uh, this has become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Isaiah 62, verse 3. And when you have it, can you say it? Amen, please. My notes are loading. Hopefully they work out. <laughs> are you there? 62? 30. Amen. It says, uh, You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Let's read it one more time. You shall also be a crown of glory. This is you in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So, let's pray. Um, so that the Lord guides us in all this, and it gives my notes times to load, because we need those notes. Amen? <laughs> Father, we thank you, God, for this word that you're about to give us, Lord, and thank you for all the notes you've given me, God. Thank you for all the things that you've spoken into my life, that I may speak them, Lord, and, and open up the hearts and the minds, God, and I thank you, Lord, for this amazing time, this amazing series that you have brought to our attention, God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There they are. Yes. Praise God. Um, so we talked. I'm just going to sort of set the, the tone again because I want us to kind of feel uh, what the heart of God is for this, um, as far as like how He has spoken it into my life. Um, as I was worshiping today, as a matter of fact, um, you know when when God. When God blesses you and and uh, He gives you something and 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 you're you're like wanting to seek Him and you want more of Him, there's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be negativity coming towards you. Now, the 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 issue there is is you got to become aware of that negativity. It might be subtle at times. It might be uh, maybe you had a hard time even coming to church today, or or something came up. You're like, I just need whatever it might be. It might be subtle. But we got to be aware of those things because, uh, you know, our, our sort of our focus should be on our Lord and on our Father and on Jesus Christ because ultimately he's the life giver. Amen. So as I was worshiping there, I was asking God, you know, God, just give me sort of like the heart of this. Like what what is the heart of this uh, message? And I, I was, you know, I was, as I was watching, uh, my eyes were open. And Jesse was leading, and Belen is right next to, to him, and, and they're leading us in worship. And, and God said, look, this message is about being a good parent. I am the best parent in the universe. This is what this is about. Now, in the, in the midst of that, you're going to see gifts and people being used with those gifts, but those gifts represent the heart of the Father. That's what he wants you to know. 
that those gifts represent the heart of a perfect dad in heaven that cares for us so much that he shows his care and his, his love through other people, through us mainly, through these gifts. So today we're talking about the gifts of the Father. And as we discovered last time, as I discovered about three weeks ago, as, as I began to meditate on this, is that there's gifts of the Father, there's gifts of the Son, and there's gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's seven of the Father, five of Jesus Christ, amazing, and then nine of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to look at the gifts of the Father. So we read this verse, Isaiah 62, uh, 62 3, that says that, that, the, that we are the crown of glory of the Lord. And that he, we basically display his beauty for others to see. The, the point of all this in gifted is that we display God to everyone else. God wants everyone else to see that he is a good God, that he's in love with them, that he wants them to come to him, that he wants to have a relationship. So he wants to use that, uh, use us through that. So it says that we are the crown uh, of glory in his hand and a royal diadem in the hand of God. And as we saw last week, that speaks of power and authority. So glory is in the hand of the Lord is power, the crown of glory. And the royalty, the royal diadem is um, that authority that God has given us. And I just want to make this clear before we sort of dive in. A lot of, you know, when we think of power and authority, we always think of it in, in, in sort of like aggressive terms, and that's true. Like, we use power and authority to destroy the works of the enemy. It's true. But we also use power and authority with our gifts to display the heart of God, the love of God. Amen? Amen. All right. I think, we're, I think we're good. We can start now. So let's go to Romans chapter 12 and read about his gifts. I'm excited for this. Amen? Are you excited? Yeah. All right. Let's get it. Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite books in the Bible, Amen. Romans, some people don't like it, it's very controversial, but it's in the Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, when you have it, say, I got it, alright, I love that, Romans 3, we're going to, I mean, Romans 12, from 3 to, uh, from 3 to 12, so it says, for I say, uh, let me read NLT actually on this. Excuse me one second. Technology, huh? All right. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, listen to this, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. 
If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, surprise, surprise, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Hello. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let's keep reading this a little bit. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Tell your neighbor, never be lazy. <laughs> but work hard and serve who? Lord. Serve who? Enthusiastically rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep all praying. Amen. Amen. So the seven gifts are prophecy number one, number two, serving others. Imagine that. Teacher number three, exhorting number four, or encourager. Number five, being a giver. Some of us are just givers. Number six, leadership. That is a gift from God. And number seven, kindness. The Bible says in verse six that these gifts are from God. He, he calls it here gifts from God. So we need to take these gifts seriously. They mean something in our life. And I think because they're not as glamorous, some of them, as others are, like word of knowledge and healings and miracles and things like that, we kind of ignore those things. And we'll see it in the life of Jesus that in one major miracle, we ignore the subtleties of these gifts. So we got to pay attention to them again. They show the heart of the Father. They show His protectiveness, His leadership, His loving heart, His kindness, His giving ways. Amen? The Father is a giver. And what we will begin to notice, you will begin to notice, oh, wait a minute. Kevin has this gift. Freaking Kevin, I knew it. Or, 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 or Cynthia, or Johnny, or, or whoever, Lisa, oh, she has this gift. And then you're, you're going to see it in other people. Oh, they have these gifts. They're weirdos. Or you're going to say, I have this gift. I have this gift. I, I didn't know I had it. I didn't even know it was a gift. But I have this gift. I genuinely have this gift. And the other, the third aspect of this is, oh my God, this is the heart of the Father. The Father is just like this. These seven things complete Him. He shows them throughout history, throughout the Bible, this is the Father. So you'll see these three things. You'll begin to see gifts in others, gifts in yourself, and the heart of the Father. Isn't that amazing? So let's look at how Jesus displays some of these gifts. This is where we begin. In Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, 13. Are you there? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's read it. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Jesus wanted to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. 
Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go get to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. <laughs> They're like, wait, there's 5,000 plus the women and children, maybe seven to 8,000, you want me to feed them? But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Wow! Here is Jesus walking around, displaying the Father. He said, I came to display the Father. I came to do my Father's business. They asked him, Lord, when are we going to see the Father? He said, I have been with you this whole time, and you haven't recognized me? In other words, he was the, the actual walking display and, and heart of the Father. Are, are we there? Amen? So he's walking around, and he gets on a boat, and he wants to be alone. He wants to go into prayer, which is some, something that we should all do from time to time, hopefully every day. We go into our time alone, whether it be in the car, whatever, in the, for prayer. And then all the people started following him from town to town. And it says that he had compassion over them, and that he began to heal their sick. And then there's 5,000 people are there, and the disciples say, God, turn these people away. Turn them away, because they need to eat. It's late. We're out here in the desert. There's no nothing around here. Send the food. 
and the food multiplies. Then he gives him the food as a good leader does. So he becomes the example. He gives him the food and encourages them to become givers like he is and the Father is. But how many times have we heard a sermon about this and we focus on like, oh my God, he fed 10 million people in one day. He fed 5,000 and oh my God, did you see it? Yes, it's extraordinary. It's beautiful. But the other subtleties of the gifts that he displayed from the Father, we ignore. And it happens in the church. It happens all the time. The person doing the big, you know, quote-unquote miracles are the person, the people that we glamorize. But the person that is just a simple, the simple giver, or the simple person that just shows kindness, just kindness, just mercy is a gift from God. That person that is not glamorized is ignored. But here in this church, we are going to try Because both show the heart of the Father. Yes. And these gifts are amazing. And you should tell the person next to you again, you are gifted. Tell them, come on, you are gifted. You are gifted. But mean it, guys. Mean it. God is good. God is good. Amen. He displays all these gifts, Jesus Christ. His Can you imagine his disciples as a Lord, what are we going to do? We can't feed them. Send them away. <laughs> Get them out of here. We don't, I don't know what to do. The disciples had no idea. They had no idea, but, but the good teacher taught them. The good teacher taught them. He was like, let me show you guys how this is done. What we normally would consider minuscule and small Jesus displays it as big, grand, and beautiful. And that is the heart of the Father. So this is Jesus displaying the heart of the Father. And sometimes, like I say, we read this story, for example, and, and believe me, I think it's beautiful and amazing what Jesus Christ did by multiplying the fishes. But I think it's also amazing the skills and the gifts that he showed in that moment. Just the simple things that he showed there. He taught them so much just by doing and displaying the gifts of the Father. So remember I said the heart of the message is a good parent, right? A good father. And a good father always teaches and leads. Amen. A good parent always teaches and leads. Not tells you only, but shows you also. Yes. And that's how a good parent, our good father is. Amen. He shows, he says, look, let me show you what to do. Let, let, me, let me show you, let, 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 me, let me encourage you, let, let me show you the ability to give, and let me show you the ability to be kind to others. Because sometimes parents, you know, they, they ask you to do something, and they don't do it themselves. 
And that's how it is on earth. But when we look at our, our, our perfect father, when we look at our perfect parents, he not only asks us to do something, but he does it himself first. And then he says, you're gifted now by me. Go and do it. Amen? Amen. Let's go back to Romans 12. I want to show you something. Romans 12. Are you there? Mm -hmm. Six through eight. We're going to read really quick six through eight. I want to show you something that sometimes maybe we just read and we don't catch it. It says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Amen? Amen. So I want you to notice that there is an attribute to each of the gifts that Paul talks about. And it's kind of strange the things he said, because these are gifts. So I want you to see that when he says prophesy, it's connected to the faith that God has given you. So Paul is saying, don't say things that you yourself don't believe. In other words, give what you have. Don't Amen. give what you don't have. That's right. Amen? Amen. And then it says, serving others is connected to doing it well. In other words, serve others as you would, as you would want to be served or as you would serve Jesus Christ himself. Amen. So he says, when you're going to serve, serve well. Amen? Let's run through these. He says, when you're going to teach, teach well. In other words, don't just tell people what to do, but give them, show them, lead them by the teaching that you're going to give. If you're going to encourage, it's connected to being encouraging. Imagine that. Wow. What a revelation. An encourager actually has to be encouraging. Because what if I said that I'm an encourager and I'd be like, hey guys, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, but you know, I hope that we can. And I'm just so nervous about it. And I want to encourage you guys to please. That's not, if you're going to encourage, you got to be encouraging. Amen? Amen? All right. Giver is connected. He says, give generously. So give without limits. A giver doesn't think, oh, I don't know. He just gives. Man. A leader is connected to responsibility and taking it serious. Imagine that. A leader that is responsible and takes his leadership seriously. <gasps> wow, Paul is blowing our minds right now. <laughs> Kindness connected with words. Do it with glad. Do it gladly. Amen? This means you don't mind to be kind. You don't mind it. It's not something you got to force. If you have that gift, it's a dominant gift in your life, you don't mind to be kind. 
But how can they, how can a person with an encouraging gift not be encouraging if it's a gift? Why does Paul say that? I don't know, I think about stuff like that. Sometimes you just read the Bible and we're like, oh yeah, that means, no, that makes no sense to me. I'm sorry, Paul, it makes no sense. How can someone with a gift to encourage not be encouraging? Hello? It makes no sense. I know what you're thinking. Well, tell me what it, what it is then. I think from what I gather with meditation with Jesus and Holy Spirit is for some of us that really don't have that gift as a dominant gift in our life so that we know how it is to have that gift. He says how that, that person with that gift is. It's describing that person so that you know that an encourager is actually encouraging, but they're not trying to be encouraging with human effort. It's just a gift that flows naturally from inside them. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll never be encouraging. It just means that we can tap into being encouraging at times, but there's people that are always annoyingly encouraging. Amen. Together, all Christians. What if we all got together to do 
They are the person in need, okay? So we will see these seven gifts be displayed when there's a need. And you will see the heart of the Father in each of the gifts. Amen? So when someone with the gift of the Father to prophesy visits someone in the hospital, it looks like this. They will come to the person's bed and with compassion, yet a certain sternness, like, like firm, they will begin to quote scriptures of truth regarding what's happening. They will start saying things like this. You shouldn't be here. This is not right. You don't belong here. They are straightforward people. You know them. They're very straightforward, but in a good way, not in a hurtful way. They're straightforward. When someone says, I'm not good enough, they say, no, no, don't say that. You are good enough. So here's a person in need, and this, this person that prophesies begins to speak words of life into them. They, they didn't even ask them, so what do you have? Like, what's going on? What happened? They, they're not worried about that. They're worried about, about bringing this person into destiny. They're, they're worried about bringing this person back into, into life. Back, back into a reality of, of, of walking out of their healed. Amen? So they see someone. They, they still encourage. Someone that has the prophetic nature is always warning others. Be careful with this. Be careful with that. You might be feeling these warnings inside of you sometimes. When you have this gift and sometimes you doubt yourself. You're like, should I tell this person? Should I give them words? Should I say something? Should I go to it? And you doubt yourself, but you're feeling the warnings and then something happens. And you're like, ah, I should have gave that person a word. I should have said something. They beautify ugly atmospheres. What seems to be ugly, what seems to be sick, they come in and they start beautifying. They start saying, no, no, this is not an ugly situation. There's victory here. There's peace. There's joy. There's, there's, there's righteousness. There's, there's, there's hope. There's faith. There's love. You can come out of this. They begin to testify about certain people that have had the same thing in it. And then they, and they begin to, 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 to promote faith in those people that are in need. All using their words. The Father always spoke things into existence. Since the beginning of time, amen? amen? He said, let there be light, let there be this, and let there be that. He always spoke things into existence. Always saw Abraham as a father of nations, and, and saw Joshua as a warrior, even when Joshua was just a young boy, he saw him as a warrior. He saw David as a king when he was just a mere shepherd. He saw Gideon as a man of valor when he was hiding. You remember he was hiding from the enemy, and the here to call you. That's how the Father works. That's how prophecy works. He begins to call you into destiny. It doesn't see what you see in the mirror, but it sees what God sees. And that's the heart of the Father. The universe seemed empty until he spoke it into existence. And this, this person with the gift of prophecy might walk into a place and see Destruction, chaos, right? In their human eyes. But they might start seeing with their gift beauty, hope, love, power, healing. When a servant person 
walks into the hospital room. It's a little bit different. They immediately begin to fluff the pillows. They tidy things up. They start picking things up. They, uh, they start asking questions. Is there anything I can do for you? Their intent is to assist in the critical time of need. They want to make the person feel good by serving them. It's still the heart of the Father. Amen? Y'all quiet today. It's still the heart of the Father. They will take a piece of paper out asking for things that they can do for the person that's in need. And then they begin to give them and they begin to serve them into healing. If there is a need, they want to fill it. If someone says, can I get a cup of water? They're the first ones to say, I got you. I got it. Now, if you're one of those people, they have a servant's heart, and you have that gift that you just want to serve, it doesn't matter where. You know, like I said last week, I've asked people, like, okay, so what's your calling, and what do you want to do? And they're like, I just want to serve. And it hasn't been just punch, it's been several. I'm like, I didn't get that at first. But that's because they have this gift. They just want to serve. And what happens to this person sometimes is not, they're not only ignored, but they're also, people take advantage of them because they just want to serve. So I would say, you know, as, as, as we see the, every gift together, we'll see that the leader, though, never takes advantage of any of the gifts. But he, he loves them equally. He leads them equally. When the teacher person visits the, the person in the, in the hospital, they walk up to the bed and begin to ask questions. Imagine that. <laughs> what did the doctor say was wrong? Uh, did you get a second opinion? Uh, they desire for information. So when did you get here? What time are you leaving? So what happened? Tell me, give me all the information because I'm about to give you information about how God heals. Amen. Everything is a question, but they have an answer because they're asking that question. They have an answer. You will not only help with getting information, but you will speak the truth of Jesus in detail to anyone that listens. So the teacher comes and he asks questions about what's going on because they want to get the full aspect of everything that's happening inside that room, and then he'll begin to teach them about the goodness and the healing power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing gift? Amen. When the encourager or the exhorter visits the hospital patient, they begin by telling stories that might cheer the person up. Everything that the patient says reminds the exhorter of another story, and both laugh the time away. The exhorter will come equipped with scripture and often messages from other people and testimonies of someone with the same issue at the hospital healed. He has a tendency to insist that the person feels better right away. <laughs> Doesn't want the problem to persist. You must rely on the Lord, he says. He is good. Choose joy. You must choose joy Sick. 
And the encouragers like, I don't see that. I encourage, they'll encourage people right out of bed. Amen. David said it like this in Psalm 38. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. That's the Father. And that's what the person does with that gift. <clears throat> Through the Father. When the giver visits the sick, person, the sick person in the hospital, they always come bearing a gift to encourage. It is usually something thoughtful, showing that time has gone into its planning, presentation, and timing of delivery. They desire for the patient to be reminded in the tangible way that the Lord loves them. Amen. They give that person something that reminds them that God is there with them. They might not have all the words to say, but they have come with something that reminds the sick person that God can heal. That God is still real. That God still has power. Or they have some gifts for the person that will make them feel ten times better, but it's generous. It's always generous, and they want the person to, to see Feel good that they have support. 
Now I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine all of these gifts working at once in that person. Someone's speaking life to them. Someone's giving. Someone's being kind. Someone's teaching. Someone's prophesying. And someone's leading. All of these gifts working at once in this one person that's in need. Wouldn't that person just like get up and start running? All of those seven gifts working at once in, in that person's life. And that's what the body of Christ is. All of us working at once, cohesively, to fulfill, to help those that are in need. So when the leader visits the hospital, they take out a pad and paper and proceed to inquire what may be the needs to be done for this person. But not just that. They begin to lead the person out of that sickness as well. They begin to lead that person to Christ. He gets the team together and leads them to help fill this need. But he also leads the person in the right direction. They want others to feel the same way that they feel about the passion that they have for the Lord Jesus Christ. When someone is not feeling the same way, they sometimes get frustrated. But it's, it's their job to, to leave that frustration to the side and say, no, everything is in God's hands and it will work out for the good. So they lead with love towards this person. And they answer any questions that this person may have. And they always, you know, uh, this has happened to me. There's people that, that talk very negatively about themselves. They'll say, man, there's all these things and I don't belong in this world and I'm just a waste of time and da, da, da. And, and a good leader will, will not, like, not go into that with them. Like, not go into those emotions with them and say, yeah, you know, like, sometimes you can feel. Instead, it, not ignore those things, but, but point them to the right direction and say, you know what, but, but Jesus gave you purpose. Jesus has given you life. You know, I asked this person one time, Are, do you feel like you have salvation? Are you saved? And they said, yeah, I'm saved. And I said, well, let's start there. Let's start there. Let's start at salvation. Because that's powerful. That's huge. And so the leader always leads them out of that rut or that, that thing that that person is feeling, and it leads them away from that. The Father gave Moses leadership to lead the people out of bondage in Egypt across the Red Sea to a celebration on the other side. As leadership. The leader always leads towards freedom and not more bondage. Amen? The leader always leads to more freedom, not more bondage. Towards freedom. 